Welcome to the Humans of Real Estate, your weekly podcast chatting with real estate industry professionals. We bring you top performing individuals to showcase their knowledge and expertise in the business to help others learn and grow. Here's your hosts, Kobe Clark-Jacobs and Emily Wallace. Matthew Pilios is director and auctioneer at Marshall White Bayside. He has gone from strength to strength over the course of seven years in his real estate career, having won the 2019 Marshall White Sales Agent of the Year. Coming from a background in sports commentary, Matthew's auctions and negotiating skills are very refined and set him apart from his peers come auction day. Matthew has an unwavering passion for people and property. With his vast network and knowledge of the local market, creating valuable resources for clients as they prepare to sell their homes. Welcome to the podcast, Matthew. Absolute pleasure to be here, girls. Thank you for having me in this great uh, office and it's good to see people face to face, isn't it? 100%. Great six weeks it's been. Now, Matthew, you have a very interesting career in real estate. You've been in it for seven years. Um, but set the scene for us. How did this start? Because sports commentary, although it aligns with auctioneering in my opinion, mm. the sales <laughs> component's a little bit different. So how did that all come about? For sure. Yeah, look, I, I, one thing, my dad was a real estate agent growing up. So mm. I always said when I got to 18, 19, that was the last thing I was ever going to do. I was never going to be an agent like <laughs> my dad. Um, so I, I never wanted to be an agent. So I just did very, did university, did various sales jobs, got in, did sales with Vodafone, opened up a dealership, uh, opened up a bar, did some sports commentating, but reality set at 31, I had two kids and not enough money. <laughs> and guess what? I thought I'd got to get into real estate. So I got a job with realestate.com, the REA group as an account manager. Mm. And uh, that was really good. It was stability. It wasn't sales, it was property though and, and real estate industry. And then after two or three years at REA Group, I saw these real estate agents making so much money, driving great cars, doing deals and the excitement and buzz. So in 2014, I made a decision and said I've got to be an agent. Mm. So 2015, I got in a real estate and I'm a sales agent and it's five years has felt like 50 years. Wow, that's insane. Like I think, I mean, personally I know you in the industry and I would say that you come across as an agent who's been in the game a lot longer than that. Yep. Um, and I think that comes down to the amount of effort you put in to what you do and also your network because you've got a pretty cool network from what I hear. Yeah, it's, it's good. The, the network's definitely helped us. So I think treating people well and mm. working hard with a combination of the network has been the success and just being honest and transparent. I just had a vendor there who was a bit upset and I said, look, I'll always be honest and transparent. I won't give you good news. I'll give you good news if it's good, but I won't give you good news if it's not good. Mm. And he goes, I really appreciate that. But I love real estate. I love doing it. <laughs> and it's unbelievable when you get to meet great people like you both. Matt, what would be your hardest transaction you've done to date? Oh, there's been a lot of hard ones, especially in the last two years with the Royal Commission and, mm. and covid but the hardest transaction would be one I did in April this year, which I just posted on my social media. Um, it was a sale 12A North Road in Brighton, broke a town resident record. Mm. Uh, it was in the vicinity of around uh, mid eight millions. Mm. And that was a that was big, you know, like every agent loves to do, it might do the occasional five million plus. So they don't come up all the time. Mm. And it was, um, it was a combination of being very discreet. Uh, it was an off-market transaction, um, a sort of scenario if you've got a buyer at this level and it was COVID, mm. so it was really hard. So it took me every day half an hour with the vendor, half an hour with the buyer, probably three or four times over 16 days in a row God. during COVID where I couldn't shake anyone's hands. 
Um, I couldn't really see many people face-to-face, transact mm-hmm. documents. I had to meet at parks for an exercise walk, <laughs> coincidentally, and lucky I lived in the five-kilometre zone. Uh, it was a combination of when I met the vendor, I had to go through the side gate into the backyard. You know, I was exercising past. Uh, it was tough and, and, you know, it was a deal that no one in my office could even know about other than some business partners and uh, the owners really wanted to keep quiet from their neighbours, a combination of everything. So mm. it took a lot of time and a lot of guidance. I had Marcus Kimonello, which I was training, coincidentally training with him in the mornings. We both had a lot more time um, like sort of coaching me in a mm. way mm. Um, because he's a, he's a very seasoned agent, even though he hasn't been through COVID, but to have a, a 20-year agent who's probably the best in Victoria coaching through us. But it was a very hard transaction because of all those reasons and the fact that the, he, he wanted a great price and he mm. got a great price and the vendor was a seasoned buyer who didn't want to overpay. Yeah. It was yeah. great though. The feeling um, was unbelievable. Yeah. So I think I did the deal at 9 o'clock on a Friday night in my office but, and it was cold and no one was on the streets. It wasn't <laughs> like you, you dro- drive out and there was no cars. It was like a go- Bay Street Brighton was like a ghost town. Yeah. So yeah. it was really hard but it was so rewarding and, and I learned so much from it. Yeah, I can imagine, especially at that level as well. I mean, obviously we try, especially on our side of things, we try to see things as numbers, not dollars, because when you start thinking about the dollars too much, it gets, you know, you get emotionally invested. 100%. Um, But at that level, in any situation, anything over that five mil plus is quite uh, a a career-defining deal for a lot of people, right? Because that sends a new benchmark of where you've sold. Yep, 100%. And to tell people that. Is a game changer, you know, and yeah. I've been able to since then list a lot of four to 10 mil yep. properties, which has really helped. And, and the experience from it you get is phenomenal. Yeah. So, and the trust, I think, from vendors, you've got to be proven. You've got to be a proven seller mm. in that bracket mm. um, where a majority of people will own a, a one to three. Yeah. But, you know, not a lot of people own. When it starts getting four or five plus, it's a big difference. Yeah. Different so type cool. of house, right? Different you type of house and cool client. homes. Yeah, I do. It's, it's awesome. I mean, with Marshall White, I mean, I was boxing great homes, but Marshall White's a different level in terms of really elite prestige, you know, the combination with the money belt through Port Phillip um, mm. to, to Brighton to Turak. So if it's not me, it's my colleagues. We see some great houses. It's unbelievable. Sometimes I walk in and go, wow, you know, I can't <laughs> wait to, get to own one of these and work really hard. <laughs> Good incentive. <laughs> it is. It is. It really is. And it change, you learn a lot as well. Like, you now if I build, I know what I want to do because I've got great ideas from different mm. homes, which is really good. Yeah. We're the same on our side, aren't we, Kobe? <laughs> we, um, we see so many homes and there's so many bits and pieces you can pick up. You're like, if I had a house, we'd definitely have to have X, Y, Z in it. We'd be the fussiest the buyers. The, yeah, I know. You get the best from the, you get the best parts of every house and mm. you put it out to your own taste. Yeah. So, you know, mine will probably have a half a, half a gym in the, in the basement with has a sky uh, light in there and, and a lift and then it has the other half will have like a basketball court or something like that. Oh, that'd just be unbelievable. <laughs> or a rooftop basketball court, you know, something like yeah. that. <laughs> Matt, when you, you started out in real estate, what were the first sort of 12 months like for you? Because obviously, you know, we've just heard you've sold something, you know, close to the $9 million mark, which is a huge yep. achievement. Thank you. But that's not, you know, that doesn't happen in the first but, 12 months of many people. So yeah. um, how, how did you start? out what was that like it was tough the first 
first year was really hard because you basically t- take a big pay cut. So I went from realestate.com mm. uh, and, and Melcorp quickly, a little real estate company for a four-month period to get some experience selling off the plan apartments. PDG mm. was a developer. So I went from having a good wage of about 800 k a year plus the benefits mm. to basically going on a retainer. So I it felt like I went to a, um, a work experience type, <laughs> or what do you call it, apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, so I was on a retainer at Buxton. It was tough um, because people, you got into real estate, people would look at you at 35 years old and it's like, can I trust him? Is he going to be in the game for long? Mm. So they really needed to see that first six or 12 months. So it was just energy. Um, I just put everything. I said, I know I'm going to be successful. So I tried to do some social media stuff early when agents weren't doing social media much, yeah. which really helped me. Yeah. And also just listening, knowing some real estate agents personally, I had a lot of friendships with successful agents. So it was asking for their advice and just being a natural salesman and just learning the craft and learning the area, you know, and I'd I'd learn off directors. I'd I'd offer for free to go to opens to help, to meet people, to shake people's hands, to to learn about running a campaign. I'd run files for for basically next to nothing. Mm. And it was work ethic. It was ringing people up asking them, people that liked me, to say if, if you could ever refer me some business or, you know, just to keep me on top of mind and it was consistency but it was mm. tough. Like it was long hours. I remember being in the office till 8.39 at least four nights, four, three to four nights per week. Mm. It was, you know, I was 35 with two kids at home mm. and so it was a great team effort. Yeah. With my wife and myself. <laughs> 100%. That's why she loves her TV shows, right? So every, now, now every time I get home, she's watching like the Beverly Hills Housewives and all these TV shows because she's been watching them for years because she calls herself a real estate widow. <laughs> but, so it's funny. She goes, you know, I'm a real estate widow. I don't see Matt until Friday. Uh, but, we're, you know, we're a great team. Yeah, and that's super important. I think that's come up in a few other um, interviews we've done around having a supportive partner because- 100%. I mean, in any industry, I mean, in any relationship, you want a supportive partner, but real estate literally could happen at any hour. Um, And if there's a deal to be done, you don't say, oh, sorry, I'm not free until 9 a.m. Monday. You do the deal at the time that you're there. 100%. So, yeah. I think two Sundays ago- I had to meet a client who was coming from Mount Eliza, house five million plus, and they wanted to meet the property at eight o'clock. So I said to my wife, only day off, oh, exhausted. And then they cancelled, they said postponed to 8.45. So we've met this couple who were potentially going to make an offer at 8.45. One of my colleagues uh, came as well and we were there till 10 o'clock on a Sunday night and I was exhausted and oh. they didn't even buy the place. Oh, this is Jesus. unbelievable. But they <laughs> helped me get thing. another buyer. <laughs> But it was just, you know, Bell was so understanding and, and it was the extras that you have to do. It's not it's not ideal, but mm. you've got to be flexible and to go above and beyond. Going back to talking about your wife, how do you find a good work-life balance? It's it's not easy. It's planning it's planning the business trips, so uh, the, the family trips in between business. So, look, she's very understanding. The great thing is with Bell is she owned her own business, so she was a hairdresser pre um, so she sold a salon uh, pre-kids. So she used to work late on a Thursday night, Friday night mm-hmm. and a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So they were her busiest day. So she has that work ethic. Um, she understands. And, and I think from a timing point I've been lucky where she's needed to be home with the kids, really looking after them at 7.30. So even if I was home, we probably wouldn't have had so much time together. So mm-hmm. it sort of worked from a timing point that if I'm working Monday to Thursday, by the time she had the kids settled and read them stories, it was 7.30, 8 o'clock. Mm. So I thought I might as well work hard, get home just as the kids go to sleep, say goodnight. Mm. So it was really good team effort. So she's been really understanding. But I give her my, my Sundays, um, anytime I have outside real estate, 
is with family I try mm. to do and, and, you know, we try to exercise together when we can on a Sunday morning as a family um, and holidays. We, we might go on a July trip every year, whether it's just Bali or or somewhere for two weeks and, and January we'll try to do a trip. So at least she always knows that Easter school holidays will have a week. Mm. So it's really planning that. Um, but it is, it's team, it's communication as well. It's mm. teamwork. Mm. And how about on a day-to-day level? I mean, obviously, if people follow you on Instagram, they'd know that you, you're big into your fitness and getting out and about and keeping a Try somewhat on. of a routine. Trying what? to keep up with the, the younger people in this industry. <laughs> so, yes. What does a typical sort of morning routine look like for you before you get into the office? Yeah, look, pre-COVID, it was always, I got really elite fit. So I was always get I was big Tom Panos fan and he's, I still am. I love that man. He's, mm. he's been really influential but I was always set the alarm at five. I occasionally snooze it at 5.15. <laughs> I'm only human. But um, I generally train, get home by about eight o'clock and then get to the, into the office. A lot of emails and texts will flow. Like I, always in my warm-up I do a bit of social media mm. and, and texting. Mm. So for about 20 minutes, put the phone down, train, get home and get in the office at about 8.39 and then just work till seven o'clock whether it's – and try to do – I try to actually do um, – vendor meetings at night time. So yeah. I try to say to vendors, I'll see it's six o'clock and seven thirty and I'd get home at eight fifteen exhausted. Mm. But at least I do my vendor meetings and just structure my day. So I train every you know, try to train five out of seven mornings at least. Uh, and be real estate fit. But post-COVID, it was hard to get up that early. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get up now at six, but I still can't get up at five, believe it or not. It's all right. Um, it's okay. <laughs> and I was like, what's happened to me? I've put on weight. It was just, you know, it, we're humans. It's funny how the human body uh, acts, but I just could not get up. So I'm now still trained most mornings. Um, I try to always put my meetings at from 12 to 8 and mm-hmm. in the morning prospect. Um, just have a clear mind, plan a day and, and really work as structured. It's a very hard industry to be structured, but mm. it, as long as you can be structured as possible, that's a big thing. What is something you wish you knew before joining real estate, especially after your first year that you said was quite difficult? Yeah, yeah, good um, good, good question. I probably, probably wish I knew to do homework, I think, to be a value adder. So I probably wish at the start that if I had – good um, information on per square metres of properties, zonings, mm. things that, that buyers don't know. Mm. I really came in as a salesman so I probably wish I did homework on and you know, off-market deals, things like that. I didn't really know and have the smarts, the wit early days to do a lot of that stuff. So if someone said, oh, you know, what do you think this block of land is worth? I had no idea. <laughs> or I wish I did the homework on real estate. I wasn't sh- – I wasn't following real estate like I should. I was following UFC and, and footy, um, but which I should, Such you know, if, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I bought, um, bought and sold properties, which was good, and being the son of an agent was good. Mm. And, and Bell had a few properties, so I was savvy enough. But my, I wasn't into. I wish I was into property more and mm. stock more mm. to have those those conversations with a highly educated vendor or, or yeah. buyer, mm. yeah. or just being a bit more skilled. So just being around property investors and developers. I wish I was at pre, but now mm. I've become friends with a lot of developers and friends mm. who own properties. Mm. Mm. Definitely. The terminology and the sort of, I guess, you know, what a textbook textbook standard would be to enter into the industry is kind of uh, like you don't learn anything in your agent's rep or even your full licence, to be honest. 100%. Um, and I'm sure listeners would agree that there needs to be rapid change in the industry as to what you actually learn to be an agent. But um, those key details around, yeah, 
things that you should know, zones, building materials, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, ideal floor plans, uh, home structures. Yep. Architecture, you know. yeah, just just anything like that. I had no idea. It's People like, would be talking about architects and like, I've never heard of this person. So <laughs> it really needs to be upscaled for sure. Casting back now just to, I guess, how your time in the sports arena um, per se has impacted your network now in real estate. I've seen a few articles um whether it be, I don't know if Daily Mail, Daily Mail might have been um, the, uh, what was the hottest real estate agent? Was that what it was? They must have been desperate when they put me on there. But I think they wanted probably an over 40 lads there. But um, no, that was something They've got to even it out. They've got to even it out somewhere. Too many young guns in that one. Um, no, but my point actually was I've seen a lot of articles around you um, helping uh, stars sell. So AFL stars. Awesome. Yep. Um, I know you had Asher Keddie's place at one point. Yeah, um, was, that was great sale. Yeah. Um, how how did how do you know those people, and can we know them? Yeah, for sure, hundred <laughs> um, percent. So Asher Keddie is a st- real star and mm. a great person. Importantly, she's married to one of my best mates, Vincent Fans, who's, uh, who's actually a great artist and. You know, one of the best guys you could meet. He was on the ABC Australian Story last year. Mm. He's a guy, Vincent Fansuzo, you want to read about. So just meeting these people has been a combination of doing a lot of sports commentary and media in my 20s and playing footy and being friends with a lot of AFL players. They generally would be in networks as well with mm. with um, other AFL players and coaches and people of high calibre. So it's just your networking um, mm. and I suppose as well is being successful when you sell for them as well mm. has been a big thing as well and it's word of mouth. So you know, I was talking to Ralph Carr this morning on email and you know, th- three or four years ago he wouldn't have won a bar of me but now I've sold so many people that he knows houses. Ralph Carr, obviously, you know, music manager and, and mm. movie manager in AFL, I think Dustin Martin's manager, a great man, but now he's talking to me about properties and a few of his clients. So, you know, it, it's just – to get in there at the start was just being friends of, of a lot of these people mm. and I've just had some luck. I've worked hard, I've been honest and transparent and, you know, I haven't been like a fan and asked for autographs and <laughs> things like that. It's just been um, really professional and business as usual but also trust. I think with these people is they have so many people trying to milk them for yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I think relationships are built in trust and you know, to have friendships with a lot of these people has been a great bonus. Yeah. What are your predictions for the industry, particularly after COVID? Can I tell you, it, it, I cannot predict. <laughs> I've, I told people that I thought with government stimulus is running out, mm. I'd be stunned if the market comes out strong after the lockdown. Mm-hmm. And what I've gone through the last two months, I would not have predicted. Like mm. I used to think I was like a Nostradamus junior, but I have no idea. But I honestly think that the first quarter of 2021 will be strong again. Yeah. Um, just due to the lack of supply. And and people now have said, we're not traveling overseas for three or four years. Mm. Um, we've either got we've changed what we want to do. We don't want townhouses, we want land, we want to move. So I think there's going to be a lot of transactions in the first half of next year. Mm. Yeah. I am concerned of how the economy is going to be in the second half of next yeah. year. So but I think real estate market in Melbourne will always be strong. It's so desirable. Mm. There's always people coming in. There's a lot of chopping and changing. People are moving, whether it's from Port Phillip to Bayside, Bayside to Peninsula. Mm. Um, we've found out that a lot of buyers are coming from Stonington mm. and um, Burundara to, to Bayside. Nice. You know, so a lot of people leaving Bayside going to the Peninsula. So I think the Melbourne market will be solid and I think the banks have helped us. So I think it's going to be a really strong 2021. Yeah, definitely. And more broadly thinking about the industry as, you know, the real estate industry, 
what I mean, obviously, there's been a lot of change since you first entered yep. um, around a, a realm of things, marketing, um, social media, all the rest of it. What do you foresee is going to be the, the next thing that people are chasing in, in to be different, to be better, to be bigger? Yeah, I think I think technology is really going to take over. Unfortunately, I think a lot of real estate agents are going to be pushed out, I reckon, in 10, 15 years. You know, things like Facebook shopping now, there's going to have to be a better version of that come out in, I reckon, 10 years' time of mm. properties. I reckon people will start buying some sort of properties online, mm. unfortunately for agents and agencies, but I think um, over the journey – Elite people still want to deal with people face-to-face and have an expert, whether it's to help them buy, like Mm. you both, Mm. or help them sell, like ourselves. So I think the industry is going to get more, I don't even know if it's a word, digitalised, like it's it's going to be more transactions, unfortunately, due to robots and technology. Um, But I just think um, with the change, you know, designs will always change. People love property and dealing with people and will want to go back to that experience, the adrenaline of, of auctions and and that's so, but I think unfortunately the human is going to probably decrease a little bit yeah. in, in real estate. Yeah. But, it's, you know, it's always going to be strong, I think, for at least 30, 40 years. Talking about technology, is there any particular tool that you can't live without for work? Uh, my mobile phone, which freezes <laughs> now all the time because it's just unbelievable. Um, look, mobile for sure. I mean, I think the combination of... SMSs and calls coming through. I, I couldn't live with, without my mobile. I, I try to put it down at about nine fifteen, so I can have that half an hour of just switching off and talking with with my wife. And if my kids happen to be awake after their bedtime, but um, you know, mobile phone has become. You know, I can sit in the car and make twenty five calls, check my emails, check my, my socials. Where I've got a lot of people engage on properties. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of things are WhatsApp now because I'm sending a lot of videos more than ever. Yeah. Sometimes you can't send it an SMS. Yeah. So, you know, without a mobile phone, I mean, and not working in the office the last few months is has been really different. So without the mobile phone and food and water. Food and water. <laughs> I drink Love eight litres of water a day. Eight? Oh, my God. I think that's actually um, a valid point around food and water because in the industry, particularly on Saturdays, right, you're running from place to place, literally running out the door it's from hard. one to get to the next. And I think um, that's where we as an industry can fall down of not looking after ourselves yep. and just like running on adrenaline. But that could only last for so long. 100%. Um, You've got to look after your health. Yeah. Strong immune systems. I always eat really well early on a Saturday. A Saturday's our game day Yeah, as it is for you girls. Um, green juice in the morning and just, you know, I have a little esky or a little um, lunch bag with an ice pack <laughs> and I've got like a chicken wrap and um, a bar just in case and I've got a couple of e-shots, which is isogenic, so like a yeah. healthy energy drink mm. yeah. um, because if I get to auction after auction is tough. Mm. Oh, yeah, I'm buzzing sometimes by about four or five o'clock, mm. but you want to be at your peak performance and before an auction, I've got an auction at 6.30 tonight, so the half an hour beforehand I won't go to the open. Mm. Our team will go to the open and I'll sort of meditate in the car, yeah. pump up with some music, you know, some 1980s, 1990s, I'm showing my age, <laughs> and fire up and I'll get there in the zone about 20 past 6, to not, 10, 10 minutes before the auction. So it's really um, peaking at the right time. Yeah. I've learned that with Tony Robbins, that if you peak, you've saved some energy to peak. Mm. So when you've got two or three auctions on a Saturday, you've got to really – Manage, yeah, you've got to manage your energy. Just in closing, what, what would be your final piece of advice for, I think maybe for people in the industry, we have quite a, quite a bit of people talk about advice people entering, but what about for people who are still, they're currently, yep. they've been in a few years like yourself, what's your, what's your advice? 
My advice is for people currently doing real estate is to really look after their mental health. It's a very mm. stressful, political, unfortunately fake at times, um, you know, competitive. Um, so, so just really stay positive and look after your mental health and make sure that you you do what you do, you, you got into real estate for is to start, you know live a better life and do really well for yourself. So um, it's a, to look after yourself mentally and physically. And, and it's a really easy game. It's about being. It's about giving customer service. It's answering your phone, showing people through. Be the best version of yourself. You know, I noticed the way I dress now compared to the way I used to dress. Mm. Um, you know, I'd wear a two hundred dollars suit now. I say to my wife when I go shopping, this is a business investment. I've got to buy good suits. Yeah. Nice car, nice shoes, hair groomed. I shave every day. You know, I used to <laughs> shave maybe five out of seven days. So really invest in yourself to be the best version possible and always be willing to learn um, for people currently in real estate. But really looking after yourself, the amount of people that get into real estate and they end up having, you know, mental health issues yeah. or they have problems with their their partners, get divorced. Mm. Um, you know, I just uh, go just always remember the reasons why you yeah. started real estate. So important. Yeah. Very important. Well, Matt, it's absolutely been a pleasure to have you on board today. Uh, so um, nice to be here. Thank you for having me. No, Thank thanks you. for Thank jumping you. on board and, and having a chat with us. And um, we'll certainly put the links to your socials in the show notes below for listeners to have a look and definitely follow Matt on Insta. Some good value in there. Awesome. Um, Thank you. And look forward to seeing you out and about at some open homes in the next couple of weeks. Sure. Appreciate you both having me. Thank you so much.